and welcome to Anyway Pranay. Join your host, Pranay Patel, author of Burgundy Winters in Europe, as he dives deep into subjects close to his heart, from how he built his charity foundations to his strong love for food, engineering, farming, and the great outdoors. Now, let's get into today's episode. Namaskar, my dear brothers and sisters. Welcome to the fourth episode of Anyway Pranay. I am your host Pranay Patil and today I am going to cover the very important topic of income inequality. This is a topic that needs to be discussed, not just where I live in India, but all over the world. It's been an issue since before we all came into this world and unfortunately, if nothing is done about it, it will continue to go on long after we are all gone. So let's discuss. You're listening to Anyway Pranay. Remember to hit that subscribe button. First, what is income inequality? Well, income inequality is how unevenly income is distributed throughout a population. The less equal the distribution, the higher the income inequality is. Income inequality is often accompanied by wealth inequality which is the uneven distribution of wealth. Income is defined as a household disposable income in a particular year. It consists of earnings, self-employment and capital income and public cash transfers, income taxes and social security contributions paid by households that are deducted. Income of the household is attributed to each of its members with an adjustment to reflect differences in needs for households of different sizes. Income inequality among individuals is measured here by these five distinct indicators. Populations can be divided up in several different ways to show different levels and forms of income inequality, such as income inequality by gender or race. Different measures, such as the Gini coefficient, can be used to analyze the level of income inequality in a population. The Gini index or Gini coefficient measures income distribution across a population. Developed by the Italian statistician Corrado Gini in the year 1912, it often serves as a gauge of economic inequality. Measuring income distribution or less commonly wealth distribution among a population. The coefficient ranges from 0, which is a 0%, to 1, which is a 100%, with 0 representing perfect equality and 1 representing perfect inequality. Values over 1 are theoretically possible due to negative income or wealth. Income inequality and income disparity segregations can be analyzed through a variety of segmentation. Segmentations of income disparity analysis are used for analyzing different types of income distributions. Income distributions by demographic segmentation form the basis for studying income inequality and income disparity. The different types of income segmentations studied when analyzing income inequality may include distributions for gender, ethnicity, geographic location, occupation or perhaps historical income. The issue of income inequality is nothing new. It has been around for ages. So what can we learn from history as it has continued to repeat itself throughout the years? By understanding the past, is how we will learn to improve our future. 
The broad facts of income inequality over the past seven decades are easily summarized. Let's get into a few details. Like in the United States, the years from the end of the World War II into the 1970s were ones of substantial economic growth and broadly shared prosperity. Incomes grew rapidly and at roughly the same rate up and down the income ladder, roughly doubling in inflation, adjusted terms between the late 1940s and early 1970s in the United States, of course. The gap between those high up the income ladder and those on the middle and lower rungs, while substantial, did not change much during this period. And then in the beginning of the 1970s, economic growth slowed and the income gap widened. Income growth for households in the middle and lower parts of the distribution slowed sharply, while incomes at the top continued to grow strongly and steeply. The concentration of income at the very top of the distribution rose to levels last seen nearly a century ago during the Roaring Twenties. Wealth, the value of a household's property and financial assets minus the value of its debts is much more highly concentrated than income. The best survey data shows that the share of wealth held by the top 1% in the United States rose from 30% in 1989 to 39% in 2016, while the share held by the bottom 90% fell from 33% to just about 23%. Now let's have a look at Britain. The United Kingdom is the country for which we have the best information and data about the distribution of income over a long run. The early estimates are based on social tables and as with most estimates from the most distant past, there is some concern about how accurate these estimates are. Holmes published a detailed critique for one of the most famous tables. Gregory King's Social Table for England in the year 1688. Holmes, in 1977, showed King's limitations as a social analyst and criticized his social table, arguing that various biases coaxed him into underestimating the number of families in some of the wealthiest and fiscally most productive classes and into underestimating, sometimes grossly, income levels at many rungs above the poverty line. However, there are ways to take into account these biases and it's suggested that inequality in the UK was very high in the past and did not change much until the onset of industrialization. Incomes used to be remarkably concentrated. Up to a 40% of the total income went into the pockets of the richest 5%. Starting in the late 19th century, income inequality began to decrease dramatically and reached historical lows in the late 1970s. However, during the 1980s, inequality increased substantially in the UK and both the Gini and the top income share increased sharply. From the early 1990s onwards, the UK experiences a divergence between what the Gini and the top income shares tell us about inequality. 
the genie remained flat over these two decades and if anything fell somewhat during this period this tells us that the inequality across the bulk of the distribution has not increased further in the uk at the very top however evidence shows a different story we observe that income growth at the very very top of the income distribution has outstripped the strong growth of incomes across the rest of the distribution how has inequality in high income countries evolved over the last century well researchers have a much better understanding of the long run evolution of income inequality thanks to the recent wave of research on top income shares top income inequality is measured as the share of total income that goes to the income earners at the very top of the distribution usually being the top 1% historical top income inequality estimates are reconstructed from income tax records and for many countries these estimates give us insights into evolution of inequality for over more than 100 years this is much longer than other estimates of income inequality allow as is the case with estimates that rely on income survey data of course the fact that income shares are measured through tax records implies that these estimates measure inequality before redistribution through taxes and transfers what can we learn from this long term perspective well consider the case of the usa before the second world war up to 18% of all income received by americans went to the richest 1% after that point and up until the early 1980s the share of the top 1% dropped substantially first quickly and then gradually in the 1970s after the 1980s inequality in the usa started increasing and eventually returned to the level of the pre-war period this long term trend of top income shares is not unique to the usa in fact the development in other english speaking countries follows the same pattern however it would be wrong to think that increasing top income inequality is a universal phenomena in equally rich european countries as well as in japan the development is in fact quite different the income share of the rich has decreased over many decades and just like the english speaking countries it reached a low point in the 1970s in contrast to the english speaking countries however top income shares have not returned to earlier highs they have instead remained flat or increased only modestly income inequality in europe and japan is much lower today than it was at the beginning of the 20th century a lesson that we can take away from this empirical research is that political forces at work on the national level are likely important for how incomes are distributed a universal trend of increasing inequality would be in line with the notion that inequality is determined by global market forces and technological progress the reality of different inequality trends within countries suggests that the institutional and political frameworks in different countries 
also play a role in shaping inequality of incomes. This means that rising inequality is most likely inevitable. Whatever the causes, the uninterrupted increase in inequality since 1980 has caused concern among members of the public, researchers, policymakers, and politicians. One reason for the concern is that people in the lower rungs of the economic ladder may experience diminishing economic opportunity and mobility in the face of rising inequality, a phenomena referred to as the Great Gatsby Curve. The Great Gatsby, you've probably heard of it, a novel by F. Scott Fitzgerald and later turned into a film, I think twice, film that highlights the inequality and class distinctions in America during the Roaring Twenties. But unless you're an economist, you've likely never heard of the Great Gatsby Curve. Introduced in a speech by Alan Kruger, Chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. So what is it exactly? Well, as Chairman Kruger explained in his speech, the Great Gatsby Curve illustrates the connection between concentration of wealth in one generation and the ability of those in the next generation to move up the economic ladder compared to their parents. The curve shows that children from poorer families are less likely to improve their economic status as adults in countries where income inequality was higher, meaning wealth was concentrated in fewer hands around the time those children were growing up. The US, for example, has had a sharp rise in inequality since the 1980s. In fact, on the eve of the Great Recession, income inequality in the US was as sharp as it had been at any period since the time of the Great Gatsby. While we will not know for sure whether and how much income mobility across generations has been exasperated by the rise in inequality in the US, until today's children have grown up and completed their careers, he said. We can use the Great Gatsby Curve to make a rough forecast. According to projections, the advantages and disadvantages of income passed from parents to the children is predicted to rise by about a quarter for the next generation as a result of the rise in inequality that the US has seen in the last 25 years, he said. What this essentially means is that if you are born into poverty based on the data of income inequality in your region, it will be extremely difficult to get out of financial struggles, if not impossible. Others have highlighted inequality's negative impact on the political influence of the disadvantaged, on geographic segregation by income and on economic growth itself. The matter may not be entirely settled, however, as an opposing viewpoint suggests that income inequality does not harm economic opportunities. In Ethiopia, 15.9% of the population lives in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty in Western Africa increased by nearly 3% last year, according to a news report 
on the socio-economic impact of COVID-19 published by the Economic Community of West African States. Almost half of everyone earns less than $1.25 a day, which is at the extreme poverty line. 30% are undernourished. Half have had cholera or other waterborne illnesses. 6% of women die during pregnancy or childbirth. And fewer than one-fifth of the women have access to education. Well, in India, nearly 20% of the population doesn't even have a bank account. India accounts for the world's highest share of inactive bank accounts and has the world's second highest unbanked population. The majority of them being women. Globally, 13% of adults or 20% of account owners reported having what can be considered an inactive account with no deposits or withdrawals in a digital form or otherwise in the past 12 months. The share of account owners with an inactive account varies across economies, but it is especially high in many South Asian economies. In India, the share is 48%, the highest in the world and about twice the average of 25% for developing economies. According to the Global Findex Report 2017, part of the explanation might be India's Jan Dhan Yojana scheme, developed by the government to increase account ownership. Launched in August 2014, the program had brought an additional 310 million Indians into the formal banking system by March 2018, many of whom might not yet have had an opportunity to use their new accounts. According to the same report, about 190 million adults in India do not have a bank account, making India the world's second largest nation in terms of unbanked population only after China. China and India, despite having relatively high account ownerships, claim large shares of the global unbanked population because of their sheer size. It is important to note that since bank account ownership is nearly universal in high-income economies, virtually all these unbanked adults live in the developing world, home to 225 million adults, Without an account, China has the world's largest unbanked population, followed by India, 190 million, Pakistan, 100 million, and Indonesia, 95 million. In fact, these four economies together with three others like Nigeria, Mexico, and Bangladesh are home to nearly half the world's unbanked population. The report points out that 56% of all unbanked adults are women. Women make up nearly a 60% of unbanked adults in China and India, and an even higher share in Turkey. Women are overrepresented among the unbanked in economies where only a small share 
of adults are unbanked such as china and india as well as in those where half or more adults are unbanked like bangladesh and colombia digital financial inclusion is on the rise but efforts towards improving financial literacy require a further boost the concept of financial inclusion has evolved over a period and in recent times the biggest boost to financial inclusion in the country has come from various initiatives under digital india banking facilities simplification of procedures relating to financial instruments etc and etc several studies have argued that the lack of access to finance by the poor is one of the largest barriers that impede the state to erad- eradicate its level of poverty or income inequality so it can be argued that microfinance represents an extremely powerful tool to achieve a pro poor growth as they disproportionately benefit the poor micro loans is an alternative to traditional finance which gives to the poor the opportunity to increase their incomes since it can be used for self employment and other income generating activities the provision of micro loans gives the poorest segments of the world population access to funds allowing them to maintain their standards of living and economic activities or create new ones the modern microfinance model offers a wide range of potentially beneficial products for example savings insurance money transfers etc that can lead to enhanced access to health and education because microfinance in developing countries is mainly focused on the poor it can be argued that the provision of microfinance helps reduce the level of income inequality as it disproportionately raises incomes of the poor as compared to the rich in micro loans are not seen as profitable by banks banks don't like these micro loans because they think they can't make enough money micro lending needs to be treated as a pipeline of empowerment to the poor rather than a singular profitable venture the profit is not from the interest on the loan but the taxes and putting money back into the local economy they need to look at the long term profits not just the short term studies do suggest that microfinance intensity plays a key role in creating a financial system endowed with the equalizing effect while india has made great strides in the journey towards financial inclusion recently with the arrival of digital payment systems there are significant digital divides and financial literacy concerns in the country the most common barriers include lack of skills among the stakeholders to use digital services infrastructural issues teething problems between various systems and low income consumers inability to afford the technology required to access digital services 
In terms of advancing financial literacy, the government's ongoing efforts under Pradhan Mantri Grameen Digital Saksharta Abhiyan PMGDISHA, which aims to train one person per household, that is, six crore people in rural areas on digital literacy, was suffering from a paucity of funds. Could more digital and financial literacy be the cure to end the income inequality dilemma? Well, that's up to you. Please let me know what you think. Comment on my posts on Instagram and do let me know what your opinions or views are regarding this. My dear listeners, tell me what you think. Tell me what you really think. Do you see this problem? Finding a solution in our lifetime? Or do you see it taking generations to sort itself out? Will we one day finally be equal to one another? No more poverty, no more inequality? Let me know on my social media platforms at Pranay342 what you really, really think. Thank you for listening in patiently, my dear brothers and sisters. I'm run- unfortunately, I'm running out of time. Jai Hind and Namaskar. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anyway Pranay. If you like what you heard, then be sure to hit like and subscribe. Have a burning question for Pranay or a topic you'd love him to discuss on the show? Feel free to get in touch. You can reach Pranay on all socials at Pranay342. See you next time.